Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am a co-director or the co-director of charts at Billboard. (laughs) Joining me is Billboard.com senior editor Katie Atkinson. Hi, Katie. Hi, I am not the senior editor of Billboard.com. I am a senior editor. Is there only one senior editor? There are multiple of us, yes. Katie and I had this actually this conversation the other day about the grammar I'm supposed to use because (laughs) there are two co-directors. But if you're co-something, there can only be two. So it's fair for you to say the co-director. 100%. Because the reader or the listener knows there must be only one other. As a grammar dork, I really love this question. And he is indeed the co-director of Charts for Billboard. But you you think of the as being a singular thing. Yeah, well, you are (laughs) the co-director because... There are two. Exactly. And the word co automatically says that there's somebody else involved. Right. Yeah. Gary, oh, man, we could really get into grammar on this. G- Gary Trust, the other <laughs> co-director of Charts, if you're listening. Hi. Hi, other co-director of Charts. Um, the, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop. I, I just like the way that rolls off my tongue. <laughs> I thought of that. On Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you could always count on a lively discussion between Katie and I about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. 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 That word really pops. Do you ever wonder why the music gets you high? Takes you on a ride? <laughs> oh, man. Feel yeah, it when say, your woo. body starts to rock. <laughs> anyway, um, on this week's show, what are we talking about? Well, we have an interview with the Billboard 200 chart-topping group Pentatonics. The group of the week. The group of the week. They celebrated their first number one album on the Billboard 200, so stick around for that interview later on in the show. Uh, before that, we will dive into just how Pentatonics got to number one and how it was actually a pretty close race for the top of the chart. Also in the mix this week on the show, Adele has a new single. You may have heard about it. It's called Hello. Hello. We'll be talking about it, what we think of it, and how it's off to an incredibly blazing, hot, fiery start. And it's heading for a big debut on the Hot 100 next week. Speaking of the Hot 100... The Weekend's Hills is still number one, continuing to block Drake's hotline bling from the top of the chart. Will Drake ever go to number one? We'll talk about that. Plus, Taylor Swift's 1989 album celebrates its first year on the chart, on the Billboard 200. It has never left the top ten, man, which is nuts. We're going to talk about how that is pretty historic. It's not the first album to do so. Before we get there, can you think of the other albums that have done it? Ooh, think you about have that. a little homework. Think about that for the next few <laughs> minutes until we get there, and then we'll reveal. Um, 
But as always, we have some housekeeping notes. If you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss a single episode, and please give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or at KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore the fabulous magical world of podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com Billboard Podcasts. Ha! <laughs> that preamble is just so preamble. <laughs> um, so I, I, I there's it, it, we're getting to that time of year where every day just brings like boatloads of news, boatloads of new charts and new songs and new new new. So it seems like even if we record this now, we're actually recording this on Tuesday this week. Normally we record the show on Monday, but we were doing it on Tuesday morning. It doesn't matter when we record this because as soon as it posts, there's like five new things that just yeah. happened. So we're playing catch-up. Um, Pentatonix, I think, uh, is one of the big stories this week. Yeah. Their new album, it's a self-titled album, debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart. It's their first, this is, this is how they're calling it, it's their first full-length, uh, all-original album. Right, because they're known for their acapella covers, right. and that's how they got famous on the sing-off. And, they can be on the sing-off like, yeah. for years five years and ago. so now they're doing their own music right still doing the acapella arrangements they're known for but it's their own stuff yeah the whole album is actually acapella and when you listen to the album you don't really immediately think that like you think the sounds you're hearing i'm like oh that's it oh no my god that's someone's mouth yeah it's um, crazy like oh my god that's someone's <laughs> mouth um but actually and the, on, by the way the album itself uh, there is actually one cover um it's a cover of uh, Shy's "If If uh, If I Ever I Fall in Love." If you're gonna cover something, that's the one to cover. It's pretty. It's a karaoke classic. It's great. <laughs> like, and it features Jason Derulo. Awesome. And um, actually, stick around for the interview later. We talk about how they got together with uh, Jason to record the song. Um, and it's a fun story. And um, yeah. So anyway, but Pentatonix debuts at number one. It sold. Oh, sorry. It didn't sell. Remember, we're talking about units. Consumption units, fancy consumption it units. It moved more than earned. <laughs> earned more than it, it shifted. It shifted slightly more than ninety-eight thousand units, of which eighty-eight thousand were in pure album sales. Right behind it was Demi Lovato's "Confident," with ninety-eight thousand units, um, of which seventy-seven thousand were in pure album sales. So it was a pretty close race um, for number one, um, which we actually wrote. Uh, like a week ago we said that it was the two albums neck were fine yeah, yeah so it could have gone either way um, worked out for Pentatonix they got their first number one yeah um, Demi has actually been number one before so, so we're just sharing the wealth in the right. music world right and also this is her I think it's her fifth straight top five album wow um, which is her entire output yeah <laughs> so she's doing okay yeah <laughs> Don't feel bad for Demi. She's all right. <laughs> She's still confident. She's still very confident. <laughs> She's confident in her chart success. Um, also in the top 10, um, Machine Gun Kelly's General Admission debuts at number four. Um, he shoots his way in at oh, number four. Oh, goodness. <laughs> the, the gun puns. Oh, man. Gun puns. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, also in the top 10, The Game's Documentary 2.5 debuts at number six. That His follows, second album. Yeah, the second Documentary 2 First, there was the documentary Two, which debuted at number two <laughs> a week ago, and then this week the documentary Two Point Five debuted at number Two Point Five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. Um, 
Um, and then at number 10, uh, Coheed and Cambria debut with The Color Before the Sun. Uh, also, uh, for fans of the Kids Bop Kids albums, because there are many, um, the new Kids Bop 30 album debuts at number 12, and it's actually the first uh, main numbered Kids hmm. Bop album, because, you know, like... Kids Bop and Now That's What I Call Music will have their main line where it's like, now 52, now 53, right. Kids Bop. And then come. they'll have the Christmas or the, yeah. Now That's What I Call Labor Day. <laughs> exactly. Right. Now That's What I Call a Patriotic Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> um, Kids Bop uh, Hanukkah. <laughs> that may actually exist. They have Kids Bop Halloween. It's just the dreidel song repeated <laughs> 12 times. <laughs> dreidel, 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 dreidel. It's just like the dreidel mega mix. Um, that album, Kids Bop 30, debuts at number 12. It's the first Kids Bop album from the main line not to debut in the top 10 in, in, in a rather long time. Um, so that's kind of interesting. It's, I'm looking forward to listening to it. Are there any, do you know if there's any wildly inappropriate songs that they cover this time? I don't. I, I feel like there's always at least one. There's always one. Where they have to change like all the lyrics to make it, you know, be Kids Bob appropriate. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're covering the Weekend's Hills. Right. <laughs> uh, Trap Queen? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hotline Bling? Mm, I don't know. Um, so uh, moving on. Um we're going to look at next week's Billboard 200 chart. Um, uh, you know, things are ramping up. All the big albums are starting to come out hot and heavy. Five Seconds of Summer and Carrie Underwood both have new albums that came out last Friday. Uh, Five Seconds of Summer's album is called Sounds Good, Feels Good. Should probably have a good debut at number one. That's awesome. But uh, Carrie Underwood is stiff competition, though. Um, yeah. So uh, You never know. Five Sauce is going to do, according to industry forecasters, um, could do maybe 180,000 overall units. Um, and Carrie's Storyteller album could start at number two with maybe 165,000 units. So it's not terribly far away, but right now it looks like there's enough of a gap between them that, that people are pretty confident. Those are both big weeks. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think from now for the rest of the year, it's going to be pretty yeah. pretty significant. All the holiday albums and yeah. And yeah. all the albums that we still don't even know, that we assume are coming, but we just don't know when. Mm. Like, Rihanna's album. For instance. Right. Which we know now has... We, now we know Adele's coming. Now we know when Bieber, One Direction, but Rihanna's still a it's like you're, mystery. Like, you're not going to pick November 20th, which is when Adele comes out. You're uh-huh. not going to pick the 13th, which is One Direction and Justin Bieber. Uh-huh. I mean, if you care about wanting to be number one. You're running out of dates. It's like, mm, do you pick the week after? Like, which... Like, do you... The Friday after Thanksgiving? Which... Which is a, good. a huge shopping day. And it's the... So it's the first Fri- Black Friday that will be the release day Friday. Right. Also, which right. is interesting. Yeah. I think there's some sort of... I've, I've been reading about... There's some sort of uh, thing that's happening with a... I think Target or Walmart that is doing something funky with Black Friday that mm. week. Where it's kind of throwing a wrench into things. Oh, interesting. Where... Ooh, stay tuned to the Pop Shop podcast for more yeah, on Black Friday. Like, it's making things complicated. <laughs> um... But uh, we just talked about Adele a second ago. Her album, 25, uh, comes out on November 20th. Um, the first single, Hello. 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 Um, <laughs> is it Adele you're looking for? We're going to hear that for months. Uh, it came out last Friday in full. Uh, the last time that, if you listen to last week's show, uh, all we had heard at that point was a snippet. And uh, we were already super pumped just yes. from that 20 seconds we heard in a commercial. We, we talked for like 10 <laughs> minutes about Adele. So we're going to try to rein it in a little bit. But now that we actually have real information, I'm even more excited. 
Did you, so you watched the video? I watched the video. I, I woke up because it came out in the middle of the night for like Americans. 2.30 Eastern, I think? Yeah, so I... I in the morning? I did not stay up to listen to it, but yep. the minute I woke up, I went to my TV and put the video on my TV. Oh, wow. For yeah. the full experience. Oh, yeah, the full experience. And so it was the first time I heard the full song and saw the video all at once. And the, the song and the video are just incredible and... and Definitely delivered on the expectations from Adele, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a there was a um, there was a, a tweet that a friend of the pop shop Sam Lansky uh, tweeted. He said uh, something like, you know, a, a, about how Adele's squad <laughs> is nothing but like autumn leaves and a strong gust of wind, <laughs> or, or something like that. Because in the video, it's basically her and, you know, the other character, which appears to be her, her ex-boyfriend. Who is played by Tristan Wilds of 90210 fame and also a rapper who goes by Mac Wilds. <laughs> Keith is like, I don't know about this gentleman. I like when you say 90210 fame. I'm like, so he was in the original 90210. Well, no, he wasn't. The reboot was just called 90210. So if you say just 90210. My eyes are crossing. <laughs> And I'm letting out a deep sigh inside But myself. I was really excited when I watched the video. I was like, oh, my God, is that the kid from 90210? And it turned out it was. He's done a bunch of interviews over the weekend, too, about, you know, how it all came together. And it was just a regular Billboard.com. Okay, visit Billboard.com <laughs> for all of your, like. Uh, for all of your Tristan Wilde's news. <laughs> for, all, for all the Adele coverage you could ever possibly want. Um, that's interesting. Um, well, the video is, is beautiful. Um, and yeah. I think that the song is what you want from Adele powerhouse chorus her voice seems like to go higher than Ugh. it you, i mean she said in an interview that she's able to hit higher notes now than she has been before that's incredible which is crazy yes um and it's dramatic and epic and it's relatable and it's i don't know it's 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 what you want from adele i feel like shout out to her producers too because the way that they like convey the power of her voice like without you know breaking your radio speakers is really impressive like you can tell like how much, yeah. Like, you know, bombast she brings to like that chorus, but without you know hurting your ears. <laughs> there, there, there's something to be said for, and I'm not going to name names, but you know, you know, listeners, Katie. Uh-oh. There, there are those artists who have <laughs> <Secret> shade <laughs> who have amazing, powerful voices. Yes, but when you hear some of their songs or them live. It comes across as yelly. Sure. Shouty. Yes. Yeah, shouty. Totally. I'm like, you know, there's a difference between like impressing me with how shouty you uh-huh. are and actually having sort of an understated restraint. Yeah. But at the same time, still powerful. Yeah. And I think with Adele, she could be like, let me shout at you. The dynamics of Adele's voice are just insane. And it mm-hmm. comes across whether she's performing live or on her produced records. This uh, this song was co-written and produced by Greg Kirsten. Um, he produced um, Pink's Blow Me One Last Kiss, uh, Kelly Clarkson's Stronger, and Sia's Chandelier. Those are all bombastic songs as well. Um, among other, yeah, but but Kelly Clarkson's Stronger, I mean, she could have, like, you know, like, screamed at you, but it was the right kind of. And Sia's Chandelier, she, oh my God. she can, you know, belt at you, but at the same time, there is the fine line. Yep, yep. Fine line, so clearly there is Greg a, Kirsten knows how to deal with these big voices. Big, big divas. Yeah. Um, 
What do uh, we? Oh, uh, we uh, hoop da. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> My thoughts exactly. <laughs> um, over the weekend, I posted a story to Billboard.com about how we think the song is going to sell. Hello, because it came out last Friday. The tracking week ends on Thursday. Um, at that point, it seemed like it was probably going to break the one-week sales record for mm. a digital song, which is Flowrider's "Right Round." Believe it or not. Hmm. I know. Um, in 2009, I believe, it did, I want to say, 636, 636,000 downloads in its first week. I don't have the number in front of me. I realize that's tacky and stupid. Normally, I, <laughs> in the old podcast days, I would used to have a computer in front of me, and now we don't. So usually I would just tap a tap a tap and like look really smart and like look up something, and I don't have that. So now it's just me saying, I think it was 636. <laughs> um, that seems to be in the bag. Uh, from what we're hearing from industry sources. This does not surprise me. And then uh, it seems like the number's even getting bigger. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, by by the time you hear this, like, it, I mean, I, I'm afraid to say a number <laughs> because it, it, it maybe the bottom drops out. Right. But it seems like getting the record for one-week sales is probably in the bag. Um, now, interestingly... We're talking about digital downloads. Mm-hmm. If we talk about just physical singles or just singles in general, uh, you can you possibly guess what the? I was gonna say, where does one get a physical single these days? Well, well, I mean, they still, I mean, well, they still make like, you know, twelve-inch vinyl singles, right? Okay. But back in the olden days, yeah. pre-digital, mm-hmm. say like, you know, before the late nineteen nineties or before the early two thousands, when kind of physical singles were kind of dried up from the marketplace it was normal that you would go if you liked a single that you heard on like as i explained to young people <laughs> um back you in went the, to these things called record stores this, these record stores um <laughs> and you would if you if you enjoyed a song that you saw on tv or heard on the radio you would go purchase a cd single <laughs> perhaps a cassette single uh or a cassingle because it was known <laughs> man did i have a lot of cassingles <laughs> No, I had I had something like like a lot of casingles. That just takes up a lot of real estate in your house, casingles. I'm so upset that I threw my casingles away. <laughs> oh, you did? Yes. I wish I had them now because cassettes are coming back. Right. And we have, oh, we've got sad. we've got cassette store day for Pete's sakes. Um, I digress. So um, the one week uh, record for the largest uh, single in terms in terms of when uh, Nielsen Music started tracking sales in 1991, the single week record for just a single was actually Elton John's "Candle in the Wind" 1997, oh, yeah, um, which did over three million in one week. Wow. Um, so that's crazy to think because now it's you know sensibly easier to get the single. Yeah, via digital, but people went out of their way to go get that one. Well, the, uh, and, and remember though, that was in uh, 1997. Yeah. That was pre. Uh, I mean, we had the internet. However, pre iTunes, it was pre iTunes, pre MP3, pre you know YouTube, pre all that. Yeah. So, um, if you wanted to hear that song at all. You had to sit and wait for it on, on the radio, radio or and go, tape it. Or go buy it. <laughs> or go buy it. So that's what people did. They went and bought it. Yeah. So that's why those numbers are so huge. And also because it was a charity single, Princess Diana. It was about mm. Princess Diana who passed away. It was a song that Elton John sang at her funeral. He rearranged the lyrics for Candle in the Wind, which is pretty, ah, a lot of things that... A lot of things yeah. had to line up for that, yes. So uh, will Adele's Hello do $3 million? No. Yeah, that... No. 
that's a moment in time that yes. will not be repeated. Probably. But in terms of downloads, I think you know that the record is within reach. And that, sorry, Flo Rida. Sorry, Flo. <laughs> Adele's moving in. So that means that uh, Hello, which does not debut on the Hot 100 this week. Because some people thought that it would debut. Oh, I see what you mean. Because it, Friday is the beginning of that. So uh, it'll it'll debut on next week's Hot 100. Yes. Right. So uh, the way the Hot 100 chart works, the Hot 100, of course, is our signature singles chart. It's been around since 1958. Uh, it blends airplay, streams, and sales together to come up with the 100 most popular songs in the country each week. Uh, the way the chart works is that its airplay tracking week runs from Friday uh, um, uh, Friday to Thursday. No, sorry. Uh oh. Let me start Where, that again. Where's the other co-director of charts, Gary Trust? Stop when it. You need him. Um, oh, the the airplay <laughs> week. I apologize. The airplay week runs Monday through Sunday. Okay. Uh, and then it's streaming and sales week runs Friday to Thursday. Ah, uh, okay. So I did not understand that distinction. Thank you for explaining that to me and the listeners. Right, and um, so. Adele's Hello could have debuted on the Hot 100 uh, this week uh, on the November 7th dated chart with just three days of its airplay. Okay. However, it did not have enough points to get onto the chart. That is shocking to me. Well, it had a huge debut on our airplay charts just from those three days of of airplay, but it's a lot harder to debut on the Hot 100 now. Because Uh, it... Because of the streams. everything, yeah. Yep. Because of all those things, yep. it's just it's just harder to get the points. Yep. So what this means is it'll it's got a very good chance of debuting at number one, right? Um, and that would give Adele her first debut at number one. It would be historic because hardly anything debuts at number one, even though Justin Bieber just did a few weeks ago. But that was an that interesting was a big deal. Thing. That was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and it would be her fourth number one single. Wow. Yeah. Lots of Adele talk. And that's all we're going to be talking about for the next month until the album comes out. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, Other new single news, in addition to Hello, Justin Bieber's new single, Sorry, will probably also have a big debut next week. In all this Adele talk, we forget about Justin Bieber. His track, Sorry, could do hundreds of thousands of downloads as well. Yes. And it it could certainly have a top 10 debut, if not higher. And it also arrived with that awesome dance video. With all the the ladies in the sunglasses? Yeah, it's a really cool video and and totally unexpected and... Is that considered the real video or is that just no, a lyric they, video? No, they refer to it as a dance video. Um, so I'm guessing there's still another video on the way. But probably a lyric video. But that still will help, you know, get it into the top ten. Then a dance well. lyric video. Yeah. <laughs> then a lyrical dance video. And don't forget the teasers of all of those videos. <laughs> Do everything you can. Um, I, I, I like the song. Yeah. It, it, I, it, it, the, the, the sort of fake horn in it sounds like something else and I can't put my finger mm. on it. But the whole vibe to me, it's more of the... If, if you've enjoyed What Do You Mean and Where Are You Now, yeah. you'll like Sorry. I like the direction he's going in because it's, it's really, it's kind of weird and different and, and cool. Yeah. It's, so go Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gwen Stefani has a new single called Used oh, to Love You. I'm obsessed with it. Um, I've, 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 uh, full disclosure, I've heard like two minutes of it. So Have, you haven't seen the video then yet. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. The video is just, it's very Sinead O'Connor. I was like, going to say close-up of her crying. Yes. Uh. It, but it's like she is making direct eye contact with the camera lens as if you everyone is Gavin Rossdale, basically. This is her first single after her breakup with uh, Gavin Rossdale, her husband of a very long time, and they also have children together. And I think their divorce is... It just got right finalized now. like yeah. yesterday. Yeah, yeah, the details of the divorce. And they um, 
Uh, I mean, she it's just like a really emotional video because she's kind of crying and tearing up and just staring into your soul the entire time. And the lyrics of the song are just heartbreaking. Like, you know, I, I realized for the first time since I hated you that I used to love you. Oh, it's just amazing. It's been a big week for breakup songs, basically, between Gwen and Adele. Yeah, well, I mean, Hello isn't necessarily about... Oh, it's like more... T- oh, yeah, actually, there's a lot of theories about what it actually is about. She's talked about it, right? That it's 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 not about a specific person. It's like, think. well, I think she said, like, friends that, like, were friends pre-fame that she's oh. kind of lost touch with. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, mm-hmm. but it's, I mean, you can obviously apply it to a how, how former we, relationship. How do we feel about the the whole, like sort of promotion of Gwen's song and I don't think it's her intention or how it's being promoted but it seems like you know all the headlines are like listen to Gwen Stefani's emotional new song I'm like well aren't we kind of like milking this a divorce it's like tacky okay but here's the deal as a longtime like no doubt fan and like growing up with that music and loving it so much it's like to me I think of it as a return to like Tragic Kingdom yeah and that's like also to me her most fruitful like creative time and the songs that were the most poignant to me and so yes I don't wish her heartbreak or wish that she had gone through a divorce but at the same time like she's really really good at mining those emotional relationships for amazing pop songs so I mean some some of the greatest some of the greatest pop songs and most emotional pop songs that resonate with people are those that come from you know relationship troubles and, yeah. and and difficult relationships and and we're so interested in that because we can see ourselves in it yeah and we can see the complications of our lives in it and so you know you think of don't speak which is a song that Gwen Stefani is singing to Tony uh, Canal who's Tony right Canale. there in the video in in the band right there playing the song it's their it's their failed relationship yeah and yet they still stuck it like they still stuck together yeah and that also reminds me of Fleetwood Mac's Rumors album. Yep, exactly. Where everyone in that group basically slept with one another. Yeah. And, you know. It co- adds an extra context to the song that you know the, you know, players involved in the, and in also the drama. And just great songs. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's hopefully that, um, I mean, I don't have, a, I've said this before, like I don't have a lot of interest in people's personal lives and you know my pop stars personal lives i'm not i don't really care that much (laughs) but i you know hopefully gwen and gavin can you know um move on and be uh lovely together and you know i i I don't know it's just and and also by the way i saw them on um all the all the coaches from the voice were on jimmy uh fallon last Mm -hmm. night or the tonight show and um it was gwen uh and blake and blake you know splitting from miranda lambert and then adam levine and pharrell and all four of them were on there and um, I was just like, wow, imagine, like, the conversations that those folks have, like, off on the set. Yep. Like, drama. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, in other single news, uh, Missy Elliott finally has a new single called WTF. It's not what it's you think not it what is. you're thinking. Um, what, I- what is it, Katie? It's Where They From. Where They From. Mm-hmm. Um, it's her new single with Pharrell. I, I don't know if it features Pharrell, but I think it's probably produced There's, by Pharrell. His voice is in it. Oh, so, you it. know, but, like, anytime he produces something, he's very present. Um, a snippet of the song premiered during a commercial on Monday Night Football as part of an NBA promo. That was last night. It has been quite a long time since we've had a new Missy Elliott track. The full song will come out on November 13. By the way, you know, the last songs from Missy to reach any Billboard chart where she was the lead act was way back in 2012. Uh, she had two songs out at the same time, Triple Threat and Ninth Inning. Uh, they both charted on a couple really, like, minor 
digital download charts and then they kind of vaporize without a trace. I mean, it's been a full like 10, 12 years since Gossip like, Folks and since, uh, you know, I think her last like, freak on. thing was like maybe 2008, like Shaker Pom Poms or something. Yeah. Nah, maybe. I don't, I have no idea, Mo- but that's yeah. the big, the huge hits I know were a while back. But obviously, there's renewed interest in her. Uh, considering two Su- things, the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl with Katy Perry and Janet Jackson, Janet Jackson yeah. song. Like if people are ready for new Missy. I feel like they were so excited to see her in February at the Super Bowl. And um, this song sounds like classic Missy. It sounds like her biggest hits. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of, a lot of stuff with new singles, um, which all are probably heading towards the hot 100 uh, in the next uh, few weeks. As we said, sorry from Justin Bieber will probably have a huge debut. I don't think Gwen Stefani is on the chart yet, but she might be very soon. And, of course, Missy Elliott, once the single drops, we'll probably see it pop onto the chart. Um, speaking of the Hot 100, that darn weekend, still uh. number one. I mean, I mean, we, we like the weekend. Uh, the Hills is still number one, um, holding off uh, Drake. You know, it's actually a fairly large gap between Drake. Oh, so it's not like he is, like, knocking at his door. No, yeah. no. Um, a lot of people, though, were curious as to how um, with all the talk over Hotline Bling's video that came out last week, mm-hmm. um, how is it that it didn't go to number one? Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, uh, the video would have normally helped Drake on the Hot 100 if. if it had been available on a service that provided its music or its video stream information to Nielsen and to Billboard. So uh, Hotline Bling's video for its first week was exclusively uh, viewable only through Apple Music's service. Apple Music does not provide its video stream information to Nielsen, though it does provide its audio streams to Nielsen. So its audio streams are part of our charts. It's just its video streams aren't. And it's it's not because we don't want them. It's just because they don't provide them. So, eh. Um, you know, The weekend also debuted a video of sorts this past week um, for the Eminem remix oh, really? of The Hills. Um, he did a it's like a virtual reality video where mm. you can it was shot with GoPros and it's like 360. So you can watch it and like scroll around and see all around it. And there's this huge like inferno going on in front of him. It's like The Hills video, but this 360 version of it is on YouTube. It's on YouTube and, you and Vivo and everything. So, um, yeah, it's when I saw that come out, I think it came out the day before or after the Hotline Bling video. And I didn't know about the Apple Music caveat at that point. But I was like, oh, here's the yeah. weekend again. Damn, that Just weekend. Just one more thing people are going to watch. <laughs> um, well, actually, both the weekend and Drake both uh, lost sale, uh, lost overall Hot 100 points this week. They were both down. Um Airplay actually is still gaining for Hotline Bling, though. So I don't think it's necessarily over with for, for Drake. I think, though, he's probably going to have to wait. Till uh, Adele's, till Adele's run thing. is over. Yeah, yeah, because Adele kind of seems like a lock for number one yeah. next week. But, you know, we, we can't definitively say because who knows what may be happening right now as we record this show. There may be a brand new single from, like, Michael Jackson and Beyonce that drops out of the sky. <laughs> who knows? I'm down with that. Let's, let's um, make that happen. Other big action on the Hot 100, uh, Shawn Mendes' Stitches. 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 <laughs> um, it rises 5 to 4 to a new peak on the wow. Hot 100. Yeah. Man, that's that's a big hit. He's just sewing up. Uh, uh, hey. <laughs> no. <laughs> In fact, um, he is, uh, there's only two songs that, actually, no, there's only one song that has an overall gain in points in the Hot 100 this week, not counting 
uh, debuts, uh, and, and it's it's the only one that has a game. Wow. Yeah. So, go Sean. Um, and One Direction's Perfect, which is the debut I just mentioned, debuts at number 10 on the Hot 100, giving One Direction the most top 10 debuts among groups in history. This is their fifth wow. top 10 debut. They actually beat a record previously set by the Beatles. Wow. The Beatles had four top 10 debuts. That's huge. Yeah. And you, you would think, oh, wait, there's got to be more groups with top. Nope. Strangely wow. enough. So. Another well, now that they're a Fab Four, it just only makes sense. Mm, they'll never be the Fab Four. <laughs> I just said A. Yeah. A Fab Four. <laughs> it's funny how the Fab Four and then everything after that became like the pre-Fab Four. Right. Like the monkeys. So are they the post-Fab Four? <laughs> I wonder if the monkeys were ever referred to as the pre-Fab Four. Um, that's an amazing name if they weren't already. When you said it, I was like, oh, that's a great name. Clearly, that's actually what they were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's go with it. Back over on the Billboard 200 chart, um, uh, there's something magical happening. Historic. Historic. I like that word. Historic. <laughs> um, Taylor Swift's 1989 album celebrates a full year in the top 10 on the Billboard 200. The album actually came out a year ago today. Um, this week it is its 52nd week on the chart. Uh, it, it's nuts. Uh, f- 52 <laughs> weeks. It has never left the top 10. This week it actually dropped 6 to 9. I'm thrilled that it didn't go 6 to 11. Oh, that would have been... Man, that would have been sucky. One week short. Um, uh, it, uh, bleh, bleh, bleh. it has never left the top 10, as I said before. It spent 11 non-consecutive weeks atop of the chart. And uh, it is one of only now five albums to have spent its first year of charting time in the top 10. I really appreciate Keith including these stats on my show rundown today because usually he tests me and I would do a terrible oh, yeah. job at this. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to play Let's Guess with Katie. Um, so what that means is the, the album had to have debuted within the top 10 of the chart and then not and left, then never left for 52 consecutive weeks. That That is a lot. Um, so um, I, people might be asking, wait, if it's been a year and, and like the chart was dated this and it's like well I mean there might be some irregularities in like the number of like weeks between years sometimes or right. something or leap year yeah. I don't know yeah. whatever this is Taylor Swift's 52nd week in the top 10 all consecutive from its debut at number one the other five albums to do so are mm-hmm. Adele's 21 which spent 78 weeks in the top 10, or at least its first 78 weeks were all in the top 10. So that's a, a, like, Taylor could still be shooting for that record, basically. Well, yeah, but considering that, that the she album... she fell to nine. To nine. She's been number nine before. Okay. Um, I don't think she's been 10 yet, but I think it's just, as we've said already a couple times in the show, there's so many albums that are coming. Yeah. It's going to be hard, but because of the way the chart is compiled now, because it's an overall consumption yeah. figure... And as long as she keeps doing well with Wildest Dreams... If and she puts another single out... That can help her. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's going to be harder for her to get through the holiday season and stay in the top yeah. 10. Okay. Um, so uh, we will see. Yeah. So Adele's 21 spent its first 78 weeks in the top 10. That's not the total number of weeks it's been in the top 10 because it left the top 10 and then came back. Yeah. But that's just its first initial 78 weeks. Um, before that, we had Celine Dion's Falling Into You spent its first 59 weeks in the top 10. Before that, the uh, all-time record holder for the most initial weeks in the top 10, I guess that's the way to say it, was Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, which spent, get this, its first 84 weeks. Wow. 
in the top 10, <laughs> which is nuts. That's insane. Um, and then before that was Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, which we also talked about earlier in the show when we talked about Gwen Stefani. Uh, it spent its first 52 weeks in the top 10. Um, now, all of this data is referencing when uh, or, or is, is in reference to when the Billboard 200 became an all-encompassing uh, chart in 1963 when we combined our separate mono and stereo mm-hmm. albums charts into one big chart. It was very hard for an album to debut in the top 10 before Nielsen Music started tracking point of sale data in 1991. Yeah. Before that, I think only, I want to say, I think I wrote 59 albums debuted in the top 10 between 63 and 1991. Wow. Um, so, and then usually your album would kind of have a quick run. It wouldn't stick around on the chart for a bajillion years. Right. So some of the, the huge albums that we think of, like, you know, Thriller, didn't debut in the top 10. Right. Um, or if it did, it fell out of the, you know, top 10 after like, I mean, it spent like 37 weeks in number one, but once it was done at number one, it would whew, go out. Well, then it's kind of amazing to look at the Bruce Springsteen record and the, the Fleetwood Mac. Mac record yeah. that um, that they were able to accomplish that. Yeah. Um, chart detour, chart craziness. <laughs> but hey, if you're listening, if you're if you're if you're a fan of Billboard and you're a fan of Billboard charts, you're a fan of charts. This you're a fan of charts. Yeah. This is this is totally up your alley. Yes. Um. So I think it's time for our pentatonics. Yes, I think so. Um. I had the opportunity to go talk to uh, the full group, all five of the folks, uh, uh, a couple weeks ago at a hotel. Um. So this it, is before they had their big news yeah, about this the number is one album. Yeah, the number one. So I couldn't ask them about that, but we did talk about the album and how this is something they've always been—they've always wanted to do. They've always, you know, they didn't want to just become like a cover group, right? Um, and we talked specifically about a couple songs on the album, including their new um, Jason Derulo, uh, which track, which happens to be a cover. Um, but they were lovely, and I actually interrupted their lunch. Um, <laughs> Because I, I got there, and everything was kind of running late, and they were doing a series of interviews, and I walked in, and it was in a hotel room. It was like a hotel suite. And I get there, and there's a whole crew, and they're all setting up, and I'm like, I don't see pentatonics anywhere. And I, I no one really tells, like, no one's stopping you from, like, I mean, I didn't know where I was going, even though it was just, like, a room. And I thought, like, I heard, like, I saw rumblings in the back room, and I'm like, oh, I think they're all back there. So I started to walk back there, and then I get there, and it's actually a bedroom. And, like, pentatonics is, like, sort of, like, laying on a bed and, like, you know, in chairs. They're, like, eating food. They're, like, taking a break, checking their cell phones. I'm like, oh, I think I walked too far. Let me walk backwards now. (laughs) And then, you know, a couple minutes later go by, and then they all come out. And I was like, I told them, I'm like, I can do it in here. I can record you guys in here while you're eating. You know, I don't want to interrupt you. They're like, no, 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 we'll come out. And so there's a recurring gag, like, where I kept harassing them. I'm like, I have to let you go back to your lunch. And they're like, shut up about the lunch. Right. Anyway, here's our interview with Pentatonics. Uh, yay. Yay. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, Pentatonics. Hey. Hey. I totally don't believe any of that effervescence right now. Uh, like, what do you mean? I stole you. I stole you guys away from lunch, and now I feel bad because there's yeah, food in the furious. other room. Yeah, we're furious. Absolutely, it's over. Um, I'm here because we're talking about your new album, which is your first album where it's I think almost all original material except mm-hmm. there's one cover. Mm-hmm. And I know that from times in the past where I've talked to you on various red carpets, 
you have you have always said how you wanted to work towards making an original album. So this is clearly like dream come true moment sort of deal. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We're so thankful that we finally get this opportunity to just showcase who we want to be as an artist. You know, our own lyrics, our own vision, our own kind of ideas. Finally, I think in this album, and, I, and I, we hope that the fans enjoy it. Um, I was gonna. I was. Oh no, no, that. he covered it. <laughs> You're like, nope, he's got it. We're done. <laughs> um, what, but I mean, at the beginning, was that always the goal? Like, because you released like four, like two, two or three different EPs, a Christmas album. Was that always the goal? Like, we want to do an original album. But yeah, I think we've always wanted to be recognized as artists. I think the the sing off was just a great platform for us to. to develop our sound using covers, but we never wanted to just be kind of a cover band. Cover we band. wanted to be artists. We do have a lot to say, and I feel like now that we um, have grown together for four and a half years now, like we've really solidified our sound and what we want to do and um, what we want to say. And That's so, so like, it's jealous. exciting. On the new album, which I listened to a couple times yesterday, and I have notes, so there's papers and stuff. Um, the songs that I was really impressed by, well, I mean, I was impressed by all of them, but I really liked Rose Gold a lot. Thank you. Um, who wrote the material on the album? Was it you guys collaborating with songwriters that you wanted yeah. to work with? Mm -hmm. uh, like all of us in different duos and trios with songwriters. So like, mm -hmm. it was like a writing camp sort of thing where you, like A&R people matched you up with people or was it a little yeah. bit more Yeah, totally, yeah. It was totally that. Mm -hmm. It's like, so Rihanna's team came in and started, because I don't actually have the songwriters and producers, so this is where you tell me, who worked on Rose Gold with you? There was a, there was a guy <laughs> named Drew Pearson. Oh, okay. um, and he's awesome. He was like, responsible for this home by Philip Phillips, and he was like this really nice, super um, chill guy. And he had started the song, and Avi and I met with him, and we were just so inspired by it. Um, water is such a great song too. I need you like water. I mean, just the way the sounds of it, where it's it's taking what we're familiar with with you. And then sort of extending it into something that's a little bit more familiar to, I guess, a sort of a mainstream pop audience, which I know sounds dippy to say. But like these songs to me don't sound like they would be out of place on the radio. Was right. that part of the intention to sort of go in a, in a route where I would turn on Kiss FM and I would hear these songs on the radio? Absolutely. Yeah, it's finding yeah. the balance. I think it's also just a part of each one of us too. I think the album's really eclectic, but the, the sound that we give ties it all together and it's just telling of all the different pieces of us too because we all listen to a bunch of different music too right. but all help each other it was cool to be writing with a bunch of different songwriters and with each other because we each pull each other in different ways until we find like that best possible product so um that was really cool we'll be sure that how did, and this is the one song that is not a cover, or not, the one song that is a cover, the one with Jason Derulo, mm -hmm. yeah. Fall in Love. How did that, I mean, I know, how did that song come together? Like, <laughs> did, did you call Jason? Did you run into him backstage at a show? Like, I yeah. got this great idea. <laughs> it's actually, I'll, I, it's a funny story, I'll tell it really quick, but basically, we were yeah, so filming. Really quick. We've got all the time in the world. Okay. <laughs> Your food's getting cold in the other room. No, <laughs> no it's just a really long story. But we, we were filming Dick Clark's New Year's Eve, and Jason Derulo was also filming that same day. And then Kevin saw him in the hallway and went up to him and was just like, hey, we're big fans. Yeah, very brave. And then Jason Derulo was like, I'm a big fan too. And so they exchanged numbers. And we he got, also seems like genuinely like the oh, nicest person. He is the nicest person. Yeah. Hardworking, uh, so down to earth. I know you're super media trained, but I'm like, you actually seem like you're genuine when I talk. Oh yeah, to he's you. a good guy. No, he was so good. It was fascinating yeah. meeting him and seeing how he worked in the yeah. studio. It was like, 
it was just awesome. I was speechless was cool. just watching and like listening to him. It was really, he was, really he was cool. Just extremely professional. So nice. Yeah. And we got on a call with him, and then I just suggested we do the song If I Ever Fall in Love. It's a song I fell in love with when I was like a little kid. I like loved it so you much. You were like about two at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I heard it when I was like eight or nine on the radio randomly, the acapella version. Mm -hmm. And um, I he I suggested that, and he was obsessed with the song. So he's like, We don't even have to talk about anything else. This is like five minutes into the call. He's like, We're doing that 100%. So we met in the studio, and, and we didn't really know where it was going to be if it was going to be for our album, his album, a single, but um, it, we just fell in love with the final product and so we had to put it on the album. Thanks so much to Pentatonix for taking the time out of their crazy promotional schedule to speak with us on the show and congratulations on your first number one album, Amazing. You know what time it is now, Katie? What time is it, Keith? It's time for my chart stat of the week. Oh my goodness, yeah! <laughs> hey, um, this week in 1983, on October 29th, one of the most iconic duets ever, Islands in the Stream, by Kenny Rogers with Dolly Parton, hit number one on both the Billboard Hot 100 and the Hot Country Songs charts. The Bee Gees wrote the Grammy Award-nominated single. I did not know the Bee Gees wrote this song. You didn't? No. Oh, that was... I bet I can hear it now that I know that. Baby, when I'm a Yeah, it was that time where um, the it was sort of post-Bee uh, Gees' heyday in terms of them being artists because of the disco backlash. Yeah. And so they started uh, producing for other people. And so they produced... Uh, Barry Gibb uh, produced... Uh, most or if not all of Barbara Streisand's Guilty album okay. which had I am a woman in love <laughs> and I'll do anything I love sings. <laughs> to get you yes. into my world and hold you within it's a right I defend over and over again <laughs> what'll I do um and and then they did Islands in the Stream, and they did they did lots of other stuff too. But that time they became like these huge this this huge production team. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, this was one of this was the first of four charting collaborations from the two country music titans, Kenny and Dolly. Mm -hmm. They teamed most recently, actually, in 2014 for another duet. You can't make old friends, which earned the duo a Country Music Association or CMA nomination for Musical Event of the Year. I have to say, this is one of my favorite songs. It's a great song. Uh, it's just so good. Um, and this actually wasn't their first number one each. This was their second number one out of two for each of them. Oh. So we're now we're going to play a guessing game. Oh goodness. Katie, this is gonna be... it's actually kind of easy. Okay, so I mean, is it Jolene for Dolly? Nope. Oh, it's not Jolene. No, it's the other really huge oh. pop hit for Dolly. So before before Islands <laughs> in the Stream, both Dolly and Kenny each had their own solo well, number for the, one. Kenny, I'm going with the gambler then. Nope. Oh my God, I'm not going to get either of these. Lady? Lady. Yeah. Okay, Lady. but Dolly, I'm totally blanking on anything outside of. You know who produced of. and wrote Oh, Lady. Coat of Many Colors? Nope. Really? I'm just guessing. I you're, don't know. You're missing the glaringly obvious one. I am? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. For me, Dolly pretty, is Jolene. Pretty sure he was nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, okay. oh is it the uh, I Will Always Love You? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was probably nominated for an Academy Award with Whitney, at least. Wait, can I do it? What's happening right now? Yeah. <laughs> Are you trying to play? A... I don't know what it is. <laughs> What is it, Keith? I think you have to da, give it to da, me. Da, 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 
you still have to give it to me. Look, you stumble out of bed and you tumble to the, you tumble out of bed and you stumble to the kitchen. You pour yourself a cup of ambition. Oh, nine to five. Yes. Yes. Oh my god, that is glaring. Good lord. Oh man, my grandma would not be proud. She loved Dolly and Kenny. Oh man. Maybe it's because we don't work nine to five. <laughs> Maybe. Working but, six to twelve. Right, I was gonna say working eleven to seven. Always trying. <laughs> this does not have the work. same ring. <laughs> um, yeah, and speaking of uh, producers that you know did uh, stuff that you wouldn't think of, you know that Lady was, I believe, both produced and written by Lionel Richie. Oh, which also makes total sense. <laughs> Does it? We're learning a lot. There's a lot of holes in, in my in my history here. But it. But you know who was in 90210 the reboot? Yes. Well, like, and you don't. <laughs> See how this goes. <laughs> but some things are slightly more important. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Well, anyway, oh, there. Sorry, Mac Wild. There, there's your chart set of the week. This week, October 29th, 1983, Islands in the Stream hit number one. Um, so that's it. That's all we got for this week. Uh, any any final parting words, Katie? I'll just be going back to my desk to listen to Adele some more. <laughs> <laughs> Until November 20th when she gives me more music. Speaking of Lionel Richie and Lady, oh, yes. have, have we all seen the Everyone, if you haven't already looked it up, you have to see the Adele Lionel Richie hello clip online. It's... It's perfect. It's great. Um, so yeah, <laughs> goodbye. Um, goodbye. <laughs> um, let's go out on. Um, I, we, there's a theme that we've been doing this for the past few weeks, but it's working. Let's go out on "Islands in the Stream" by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. You got to give the people their islands in the stream now. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.